Hi, welcome back to Shop Talk with the Sheriff. I'm Sheriff Gregory Tony here in Broward County. Thank you all for joining me again. For those of you may be your first time, let's say, popping on, what we do here is bring in special guests. We talk to different community activists, leadership, but we also cover our internal partners as well. Uh, today, we kind of got the best of both worlds. He's a hidden gem. He's one of our internal partners, but he also does a lot of great work in the community. And what we're going to be talking about today is Hispanic Heritage Month, a very important time of the year, a lot of cultural things to be aware of um, and talk about its importance. So today's guest is my dear friend. Uh, he has served in so many different roles and capacities within the Sheriff's Foundation uh, here for Broward County. Uh, but he also has an outstanding background and reputation in terms of his own success and his careers. That man is Juan Carlos Edis. Juan, welcome on to the show. We appreciate you coming on today. Thank you, Sherry. It's a pleasure, and thanks for the kind words, too. No, look, uh, it's a tremendous honor to have you here for all the great work you've done over the, the several years uh, working in the capacity with the Sheriff's Foundation, but also all the different community activity stuff you've done. I'm just going to highlight so much, if not... It, if I spent the time reading off everything that you've done, we'd be here for two days. Uh, but I have to touch on some things. One, by trade, he is an attorney. He is part of the Florida Lawyer Regulation. He has been uh, involved in the lawyer ethics consulting aspect. He has been a state professional uh, licensed in representation for the Florida Bar on many different accords from the Hispanic Bar Association right here in Broward County. He is born and raised in Puerto Rico, and guys, he can dance. Uh, I've seen him salsa about two minutes ago. That's an inside story. He Feel free to ask him next time you see him. And he's also the son of a Cuban migrant or immigrant who have come here and been successful contributing to this country. Uh, by academics, he holds a bachelor's of science degree in political science. He later, of course, acquired his JD out of Stetson University uh, College of Law. And he also is service-oriented, service in he has suited up. Uh, he has served in the United States Army back in 1993. He was a uh, after graduating law school, he served as a judge advocate general. Um, and after completing his basic course in terms of service there, he then decided to continue to push up to make the rank of captain and served as a legal assistant uh, attorney. Uh, Juan, look, we can do this probably for another 20 minutes. Um, you're an outstanding individual, great success in your personal life, outstanding family. So let's talk about what we brought you in today, Hispanic Heritage Month. Why is this so important for our community here in Broward County? And talk about what does it mean on a national basis to ensure we continue to recognize this important month. Sheriff sure, Tony, diversity is something that we should always celebrate. And we as a community uh, should not walk away from, from our differences we should engage our differences. And, and when we do that, we learn about others, we grow as individuals, and more importantly, we grow as a community, which is the basis of everything we do. We don't live in our little home detached from the realities of life. We gotta learn how to um, encourage people to communicate, to engage, and to make uh, our uh, our communities better. Yeah, and look, here in Broward County, uh, we really have become uh, the epicenter for what diversity should look like in the state. You know, our, our partners and our neighbors in Miami, 
uh, often are identified for its deep root within the Hispanic community, but we're much more diverse in the sense of what our Hispanic and minority communities look like. You know, one of the figures that most people really are probably not aware of, uh, Broward County, our Hispanic community covers roughly 28% of the population here. 28% of roughly 1.9 million people. So, and it's continued to grow. So it's not just a matter of recognizing the diversity, but really understanding what those cultures look like, how they're all unique, uh, whether it be Puerto Rican and Cuban and Dominican and all these different cross sections uh, that we have here in Broward County. They all bring a level of um, importance into who we are as a county and, and what we look like. So Hispanic heritage, how far does this go back? How far have we been taking the time to recognize this month? Is this fairly new for those who are not familiar with it? Or is this something that we've been um, honored to have within our, our, our government and within society for some time now? Yeah, the, the, the trend of recognizing uh, diversity in, in weeks like, like the one that we're celebrating, the Hispanic uh, we have, is, is actually, it's half of a month and half of the other. It starts in the middle of September and ends in October. Uh, it's all re recently uh, new. Uh, I think that 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 as we have grown uh, as a society, we have started to pay more attention to uh, the things that are different, but that unite us. Because the United States of America has always been a nation of immigrants. Uh, only a, a certain uh, group of our society was here. So everybody else has come from somewhere. So it does make sense to to sometimes highlight. Uh, the, uh, the, uh, the these uh, particular uh, um, histories, no, because we some people just simplify what Hispanic week, week is. Hispanic Week is a combination of many histories of many countries uh, yeah. throughout the world. So it's it's a very important um, uh, distinction that we got to make. Uh, sometimes the Italians, the Italians have. 20 different regions that are all different also. So learn, to learn about the, the cultures means to learn about all the countries that encompass that particular uh, heritage. So it, it's, it's, it's very deep. It's not Puerto Rico, it's not Cuba, it's so many different histories, you know? And, and unfortunately here in Broward County, we get a chance to really taste all that different culture, not just, a, you know, one isolated period within a calendar, but every single day. Uh, I can imagine, you know, during uh, Hispanic Heritage Month that we're going to probably see festivals. We're probably going to see all type of different food events. Anything particular coming up that you're going to try to make it to and attend? Or you might want to say, hey, public, this is coming up on this date. The, well, there's several um, events that take place during uh, Hispanic Heritage Month. Uh, many of them happening, obviously, in Dade, which, uh, which uh, has a more established uh, um, uh, background on, on, on this kind of events. But I, I'm not that much of a fan of events. I don't like large gatherings in general terms. Uh, but I like to educate myself on, on the different uh, you know, areas. And there are many ways to obtain that through social media and TV now. There's many, and, and now with the, uh, with the, with the, uh, the, the new concept of, of um, on demand that we have, I don't want to name specific uh, companies, but Netflix, you can find so much uh, information about different countries and, and cultures. I would like people to just take the time, 
not necessarily to go to a festival, but to actually immerse themselves on, on one particular culture. Uh, this year, do Cuba or do, or do Argentina. I'm more of a fan of that kind of approach sure. to, um, to, the, to the heritage uh, celebrations than just to go to a festival. Yeah, yeah and, and it has a longer lasting effect. Uh, you're, you're really you know, embedding culture inside of yourself when you're doing independent research and reviewing and looking at uh, different countries and how they were developed, the different languages and the variations and even the symbolic things about why, how their flags are designed because that's also something I've learned uh, as I looked into, you know, different cultures and the difference between the Puerto Rican flag and the Cuban flag, but the same similarities in, uh, in the design concepts and the color sequences. All these little intricate things are pretty, pretty, you know, identifiable when it comes to why every single group has its own culture, why they have their own interests, but at the same time, we're all still the same. We're, we're all a part of the same uh, human race here and getting things done. Now, Juan... You specifically, being born in Puerto Rico, your parents end up uh, immigrating from Cuba. You have these two different paradigms there. What's it like at your house when you're talking about <laughs> culture? <laughs> and, 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 you know, can you claim one over the other? Or, or you know, how's that been for you growing up here uh, in America? Yeah, I do have a, a unique background in the sense that um, my parents left Cuba in 61 very early on, uh, um, after um, very close in time when, when Castro took over, mm -hmm. uh, and they, they came to Puerto Rico. So uh, I was the first Boricua uh, of the family. Uh, I was born in 1971. So I grew up in a Cuban household of refugees um, and uh, actually went to military school in Puerto Rico for 12 years. I learned to march before I learned to add and subtract. <laughs> so I did my 12 years of of education under uh, a, at a school that was uh, that was founded by a Colonel a, a Colonel Barkin. He is the last standing military man when Fidel Castro entered Havana in '59, and he actually gave up the power. He was the last man standing, and then he went to Puerto Rico and opened a, a, a military school that eventually became part of the Junior ROTC program and certified. So I went to that school. So I still studied under the old Cuban teachers that were refugees uh, that would still grab you by the uh, by the ears if you were doing a lot of physical uh, contact from these Cuban teachers in their 50s and 60s <laughs> that ended up at that school. So uh, great memories. So I grew up in a Cuban school eating Cuban food. And then I married a Boricua and you have met her. Um, I've been married yes, 25 years. And now I eat Puerto Rican food at home. Instead of eating uh, black beans, I, re I eat red beans. And she's but, a phenomenal, uh, phenomenal cook at that too. Thank you. So, so yes, I live in two worlds. I do, I do not identify necessarily as 100% Puerto Rican or 100% Cuban uh, because I, I think I have a mix of that, those values and, uh, and that culture that I grew up at home and at school. And then I also live in Puerto Rico, so I have that side. So I must say I'm 50-50, my blood is Cuban, but my, 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 my culture, my uh, you know, exposure was really living in Puerto Rico. I didn't live in Cuba. So it's a nice mix, I love it. I, li I like enjoying both cultures and I do embrace both cultures equally.
Yeah, I noticed in, in, in our relationship, and, and you most certainly um, have the best of both worlds, in my opinion. You, you get to jump on either either side of it, depending on the day. You know, I, I can't have you on the show and not talk about a little bit all of the great work that you have done serving as the executive director for the Sheriff's Foundation of Broward County. Uh, before me, um, while I've been sheriff, and something tells me you'll be here long after I'm not the sheriff, uh, this type of commitment you've made to the community and the agency. Talk to the community a little bit about the Sheriff's Foundation, what you all do, and what your role is as the executive director. Absolutely. Uh, as you know, basically 100% of my free time, I dedicate to the Sheriff's Foundation of Broward County. <laughs> He's not lying. It's and cool. And... And more specifically, most of uh, the free time of my family, <laughs> wife and daughter, also is dedicated <laughs> to the Sheriff's it's Foundation. A family we move as a family, as you know. So um, the foundation was, was started in 1999. And, and the purpose of it was to create a, a community service type of organization to blend the commitments of BSO in a way that is productive, because as you know, agencies can't really receive donations, uh, mm -hmm. you know, and, and so the, the foundation was started and it's an independent 501c3 organization, which means we are a nonprofit organization run by its own board and independent of BSO. And what we do is we put a face, a community face, we uh, to the uh, to what BSO does, and of course, back then BSO was not as involved in the community as it is now. Clearly, uh, BSO, uh, you know, had been in a trend of really reaching out to the community for the last decade or so, and of course, you have put uh, an accelerator to that uh, with a lot of initiative, which we welcome. Uh, but back then, there, that that wasn't really uh, what was going on. So. Um, the, the organization started that way. We have a phenomenal board of directors, as you know, all community leaders. Uh, this is a working board. This is not people that show up every month, vote and go home, and you don't hear from them until the next month. You know for a fact that we show up, we get dirty, we do the things that have to be done. And the beauty of the, of the Sheriff's Foundation, and that's why I'm still part of it after now 13 years, I came oh. in as a board member uh, became the chair for two years, about six years ago, and I've been the executive now for four, if not five, I think four, four years or five. I, 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 I don't remember. I think six, maybe. Uh, and, uh, and what I like about it, uh, Sheriff Tony, and, and you know this, is that the Sheriff's Foundation is not about itself. You know, many nonprofits out there are all about them. Right. You know, they have a building to pay for. They have phone lines to pay for. They have insurance to pay. The Sheriff's Foundation is about everybody else. We raise our private funds, and what do we do with it? We give it out to the community. And, 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 how, and how you do it's important, too. You know, what is it, like 80% of all funds or proceeds received? Out of 72 in the last, um, uh, because, you know, we get our 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 uh, numbers every year, all certified and mm -hmm. uh, audited. Uh, $73, uh, 73 cents of every dollar goes to Amazing. programs. That is a Amazing. phenomenal footprint. That's Very right. proud of that. We don't spend the money on us. 
we send it out after we cover what we have to cover. We don't have full-time employees, as you know, right. and we operate with committees, and you know that. Everything we do is through committees of members of our community, not necessarily only BSO. Right. Hey, Juan, you know what? Talk, talk about some of the big projects that you all have been doing, uh, the ones that's been consistently, the annual ones, and then, and then hit some of the... The, the smaller things that you've covered from equipment, the vehicles, I, I, I don't want to talk about it. I would prefer you talk yeah. about it because you guys have done some great work here. Yeah, so you, you can break what we do in three groups. The first group is other nonprofits that have initiatives that help with public safety. So when we identify those initiatives, we help funding them. For example, Women in Distress, 211 Broward, Handy, Pace, Hispanic Unity, Prestige Club. These are all nonprofits out there that are doing great work. And we pick a program or an initiative that, co that connects to, to uh, public safety and we fund it every year. That's one group of, of how we impact the community. The other area that, that you can look at us through is what BSO does that we help you Funded. For example, Operation Medicine Cabinet, uh, shopping with a sheriff, a, a, a favorite of so many. The, the lead camp that you have created now that, that will budget better for next year is a new initiative. These are things that you ask us to partner with, uh, with you, and we do that, and we fund that, um, you know. And then the third area is our own initiatives, and uh, we can highlight the Broward Mental Health Summit, which is coming up on September 9, 2021. Fourth annual, award-winning, recognized by the community as a phenomenal program. This year, Sheriff, as you know, is free and virtual. So nobody has an excuse not to seek tools for mental wellness because it's free. Our sponsors are giving this as a gift to get out of this pandemic. It's a phenomenal program uh, or initiative. Another one is a canine cause. People don't know that we fund up to half of medical treatment for retired canine of any agency in Broward County, any agency. That's right. So these are the three groupings. We do phenomenal work. What you don't see is us getting a lot of credit because we do it quietly. You don't, you don't see a lot of us making a lot of noise because no, we choose right. to do it humbly. Yeah, and, and, I, and we appreciate that. And I, I have to highlight of all the great work, but just one stands out. Um, you know, this past year dealing with COVID-19 and how that was going to impact shopping with the sheriff for so many kids, so many kids who and parents who have become uh, reliant, so to speak, uh, that this would be a program that would support them getting, you know, kids, the toys to their kids, et cetera, uh, without having to put an added financial burden on them. And we didn't know how that was going to work out. It, it, we, we were really concerned as, uh, are we going to be able to pull this off? And you mentioned that, you know, the members of the Sheriff's Foundation roll up your sleeves and actually get out there and work. You most certainly did. You know, we set up right outside of headquarters. We did a, an enormous drive-through effort. Um, a Christmas theme and had tons of different families show up. How many, how many families did we reach that day? Do you remember? It was definitely over, uh, over 300. That's what I thought. Yeah. And some cars had several kids. So That's right. in, in, in people, it was probably, we served close to a thousand and I'm being conservative, yeah. 
but yes, family-wise, I think it was over three. And and, and again, the the Sheriff's Foundation for hours and hours and yeah. hours. And and I was gonna say one more time, and you guys were out there sweating with us with those masks on, getting it done, making sure a lot of kids had a very good, happy holiday season for them. Uh, but look, we th that type of effort and partnership that you've all been able to establish have been just outstanding for me to know that we have a private partner that has the same vested interest in serving the community as we do, despite that you're not certified or sworn law enforcement. And that goes to show this community that there's other ways, other ways that you can serve this community. You don't have to suit up and put a badge on your chest. We all live here in Broward County. There's ways to contribute to make the quality of life better for everyone. Thank you all for joining me on Shop Talk with the Sheriff. Remember to follow me on Instagram at BSO Sheriff Tony. It's not a stunt double. It's me. Also, subscribe to the podcast so you get early alerts for every new episode. In the meantime, stay safe, be humble, and try to love somebody a little bit more than you love yourself.